0: Find us on Twitter at SuperflexShow and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex. On the Superflex Super Show. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. Back in the day, oh god, was it that long ago? This introduction's already too long. John Williams. His first name's John. He mostly does baseball content now. Anyway, I was uh, writing a couple articles for a website that Addison Hayes, who now runs the data apps on um, DynastyLeagueFootball.com, so brand, um, as well as doing our YouTube channel, the DLF YouTube channel. Please check out mine, but also DLF's and Addison's, ba- basically the whole of that channel. Um, Anyway, it was his website, and I was in the... Discord server? I don't even know what it was. What app were we using? This doesn't matter. Anyway, I used to argue with John Williams about DJ Moore a lot. Um, at the time I believe uh, there was a question between him, and I think it might have been Curtis Samuel at the time. Remy fails. Um, but I was arguing that DJ Moore was good, and John was saying he is good, but this other player, who I'm pretty sure is Curtis Samuel, was cheaper and also good. On the same offense, and just at a discount he preferred the second option. And it's one, it's an argument I've made and continue to make. And it's one that I've heard other people make since then. But since that conversation with John, who's a very smart analyst doing it, like I say, I've mostly seen him do baseball stuff now. I definitely recommend checking him out. Talking with John, that's, that kind of underlined the conversation for me. And I ended up saying something like, that's, that's too weak. I said it nicely because we were just friends talking. But I realized at the point talking to him, and um, because I've made similar mistakes, as I mentioned, and have since, but it's one I try and catch in my thought process. Um, if that's the reason that you prefer a player, don't prefer that player. But liking a player beneath the player you actually think is more likely to be the good guy when you can't make a decent argument against him is essentially just a stay-away position at best, or you have to realize you are probably wrong. And you might not want to make a bet there, but from what we can know, the best position is probably to take that you're wrong or the play that you think could be a value probably isn't a value. This sounded like a succinct story in my head, by the way. But because that conversation always comes back to me because I always got great ideas bouncing them off of John. um, And it's something that occurred to me listening back to the episode... The last four episodes with uh, Zach and Jacob um, about Courtland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Because I'm making the same mistake again. Again, I make it again. And I continue to try to weed it out my thought process. And if you hear me make it, you are free to at me and remind me that this is a bad argument. It's not one I think you should make bets on. Because if you like them just because they're drafted lower, then you don't have an opinion. And the reason I'm talking about it is because it kind of fits in with a the theme uh, that I want to talk about today. The subject for the episode is something Zach called me out on, and it relates to that Jacob and Zach conversation where Cortland certain Jerry Judy, and I don't have a strong reason for valuing one over the other. Um, And it's on the Dynasty Grind, Zach asked me straight up why do I keep selling say sell DeAndre Swift Um, and why don't I like him considering how much receiving work he's got but I think it's a marginal take Uh, and that's where this I got thinking about John and DJ Moore and I'm pretty sure Curtis Samuel back in back in the when we were having that conversation uh was on the table technically we both missed because DJ Moore's never had that top 12 season but anyway I don't want to take a lot of strong stances I know hot takes and standing on a hill is the fun of fantasy football but I honestly think ADP is good and you take few stands against ADP and mostly accept the value I think that's the most reasonable way I can give advice or analysis or information on how to play Um, and it's just looking for narratives, common themes what trends are, what stats work and what don't and who To listen to as far as the tape goes. Zach is the answer for me. Obviously. Jake. But he's busy playing golf. Anyway. In order to make those strong stances. And I want to take relatively few. And hit them at a high rate. That's what I always say. So marginal takes for me. I always want to fall into that. Take the value. Argument. But that is similar to drafting the player. Just because he's drafted lower. And that's not a strong take. They should probably just believe the ADP. So. DeAndre Swift. Is he too overvalued? Am I offering a weak take without even realizing it? Let's talk about. It. Do you have the time
1: to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and nerds all at once. I am one of those skeptical of status quo, lazy to the bone, no doubt about. It. Sometimes right I my Excel sheets. Sometimes pour cold water on these. When the mass not adding up, you can bet I'm checking it out. I'm just finally
0: working to the ground. So, are we meant to beat ADP? Are we meant to just take falling values in ADP? Actually, the answer is both. And the idea is to make better bets, but do it strongly. Just because I like Juju Smith-Schuster, I've had to admit on this podcast several times that I can't meet the value I'm finding in trades in most of my leagues. So do I really like him? The answer is no more than anyone else in my leagues, apparently. And so that seems weak. Devontae Smith, I've been able to add to my roster. Same with most of the players we've talked about and they're on the trade list. Last year, this is something I learned through me and Zach liking Cooper Cup, but me not liking it enough to go and actually move the VA to get him. And Debo Samuels, and several of those players on that high hit breakout list that I had last year. I didn't do enough to get them. I didn't believe my takes enough. Not actually, I did believe them. I'm just not as good at moving value around in Dynasty as I thought I was is honestly the answer it's an area I have to improve that's why I've been talking about getting better at trades significantly make better bets more strongly not make cheaper ones because you don't want to miss that goes back to the heart of where we originally started with the crossroads talking about playing dynasty more like redraft it's not drafting running backs more or playing more for year one yes but the underlining theme of that is you make bets strongly that you think are better instead of taking cheap bets weekly I think that's I was gonna say at the core of most of the advice whatever this is and um, that we do about trying to build a better process or so most of my ideas and how to play dynasty come back to that and I fail when I make fail to realize I'm not doing that so. Am I just out on Swift this year? No, because it's a marginal take, but it's one I feel pretty... I'm going to offer it strongly. I think this is a thing you should do. It's a thing I've been suggesting we do on the Dynasty Grind every week. Every time someone mentions Swift, I'm like, sell DeAndre Swift. So I better believe it strongly, and I do. But it's marginal in the sense that I'm not just taking the value... But I do think I want out on the upside. Um, and where he's ranked in Dynasty ADP, he's top five running back. And he's similar in Redraft. But he is only taken as a running back eight last time I checked underdog ADP. As opposed to the running back five. And that's not a lot of difference. But it speaks a lot to the very slight difference I'm talking about. To so that level of value, I want someone with a very specific set of skills. I don't know why it always comes back to a taken reference to me. But yeah, I want a very specific running back. If I'm playing three first round picks, max, the max you can play for a running back or any player, which should really be three random generic value first round picks. Um, as a as a measuring stick, anyway. So that to me is someone like Christian McCaffrey. It's Saquon Barkley. Avon Kamara has been in that category for me for a while, but yeah. This year, it's a little awkward where he is in his dynasty career. His receiving work mostly means he should probably avoid that running back career deadfall, to be honest. Let's move on from Kamara, because we're going to come back to him in a minute. And um, Derek Henry. They're very specific players, because they co-opt an exponentially, or over a significant threshold, should I say, amount of the team's overall volume. The offense revolves around them. That's what I mean by this very specific top of the heap value running back outside of that unless I'm getting in the meta discount like value discount because one I think the ADP is slightly wrong for a reasonable reason or two because they are drafted in the top 12 instead of the top five but are clearly reasonably drafted there then sure Let's get into it. The reason I don't like DeAndre Swift is for a similar reason that we don't like other running backs because they don't have enough receptions. DeAndre Swift has enough of the receiving work. He doesn't have enough of the rushing work. And I think this is why me and Zach might be slightly at odds. I don't know. We didn't get to talk about it much on DeAndre Swift. Um, Hopefully we'll get to talk about it on the next round, maybe. Um, Wednesday, 9.30s. All your f- popular streaming services. Ah, ad. Um... Because we talk about the reception so much, one, because they offer a floor, two, because it is undeniable that it matters for fantasy, especially as we are increasingly a pure half point, if not full PPR dynasty community at this point. There are a few still a few standard leagues out there, I'm sure. More power to you. Play what you want to play. That is fun. But it's because receptions always tend to be a little underrated. I mean, Blair Andrews, I remember reading one article from Blair Andrews and wrote a it says that um, efficiency in their first year is still underrated in running backs, specifically if you look at receiving efficiency, because, again, we just typically underrate the receiving element from running backs until we get that across the board, it's always going to be a slightly edge. But the thing is, with running back, you need a you need some level of balance. All right, uh, Let's actually put some numbers on it. I don't want to, again, like I don't like to do with the crossroads. I'm not going to start reading stats because I'm a numbers guy. But there are some simple numbers I can run through to kind of describe this better than saying. Um, only 15% of top eight running backs. And top eight is a very specific position rank mainly because that's where we get you know difference making league winning bell count back running type points that's where running backs outscore wide receivers even inside the top 12 and after that it becomes a lot more level and that's why wide receivers ones can be slightly undervalued and so on and so forth but eight's actually the number but we're going to go back to 12 in a minute don't worry about it and five is remember we rank Andre Swift there which me means to pay up for that value I need that top eight level ceiling not just top 12 not Joe Mixon has been a top 12 running back several times and it always feels kind of meh not Antonio Gibson was a top 12 running back last year but it wasn't really what we were hoping for and now everyone's slightly lower on that difference that running back testosterone level season that we want is I think better defined as top eight rather than top 12 essentially. But only 15% running backs since 2012, so we're talking about the common area here where receptions are more important than rushing yards in general. Um have a receiving or a target share, let's just do target share, um under or equal to 10%. It's actually really small number of running backs that don't have at least 10% that finish in that top 8. That's why receptions matter, right? It shows it pretty clearly over a 10-year period, very few of those difference-making seasons actually come from it. And importantly, so only 15%. That's dramatic and it's important. But only 11% of those running backs finishing in the top eight in the same time period had less than a 50% rushing attempt share for the team. Combined together, that creates a player that's creating a, a hell of a significant share of the overall offense to get inside the top eight. Can DeAndre Swift do that? Actually, yes, we have some examples. Austin Eckler, for example, is one of those players who didn't have a top uh, a 50% share of the rushing attempts in 2019, still in top inside the top five. And if you were looking at his stats the year before, you would see a similar set of opportunity ratings or opportunity scores or opportunity percentages as you're looking at with DeAndre Swift right now. So it happens. You could also make a comparison to Aaron Jones, who always had a marginal share of that offense, thanks to Jamal Williams and the Packers seeming to hate Aaron Jones, and got there essentially through efficiency twice. But both of them and neither of them are still drafted inside the top five in Dynasty. They never cost that, so it's easy to stay on the bandwagon, as I continue to do with both. Because they're both underrated for reasons we talked about before. Bad arguments that go outside of actual stats of project X. In this case, volume projecting. More likely upside than efficiency. Um, of the running backs who have had a top eight season with less than 50% of the opportunity score, we're looking at 14 since 2012. Avan Kamara occupies f- three, four, four of those seasons, um, of those top eight seasons since 2012. So a large percentage of those 11% of seasons have come really recently, and it's basically just the Alvin Kamara list and one Austin Eckler. Before that, you have Dion Lewis in 2015, Joe McKnight in 2014, Darren Sproles did it once, Jamal Charles did it once. It's a very good list of running backs, I'm not saying DeAndre Swift isn't a, doesn't belong on that list maybe, but I am trying to point out that as rare as it is for a running back to have that level of production that we're really craving um, without the receptions, it's even rarer for them to do it without that risk rushing attempt share because that's how you create that level of upside in the vast majority of cases. Again, only 11% of running backs who finish inside the top eight and it's similar inside the top 12, I'm just using the top eight because it's really what I'm hunting when I'm paying up to that top five level, Um have actually finished inside the top eight with less than a 50% rush share. Now, can Swiss rush share get up there? Yes, but that's also where I think I am out on Swift because he has consistently had a shared backfield for both of his first two years. Last year, he was sharing it probably more than you remember with Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams had a 30% opportunity share or expected points per game Uh, percentage on that roster 11% of it was coming from the rushing game some of it was coming from the receiving game we know he has a dual skill set because of his time in Green Bay where he was literally challenging Aaron Jones who did have a 50% rushing attempt share the year before he broke out into the top five by the way anyway um what was I so Jamal Williams is actually sharing that backfield I knew there was a good reason I'm drafting him late in best four leagues all the time or late-ish Um, And I actually think it means that he should be added to my targets to add to trades at the running back column. Um, Jamal Williams was a really decent ad this offseason, and I'm sad that I haven't found the reason to say on the podcast or a YouTube video until this close to the season because we're getting to where running backs are slightly getting more elevated in value because we know we're going to have to score points in about a month. And so that happens, but I think it's still worth trying to tag into a trade if you can at, you know, second round rookie pick value. So that's why I don't like Gerardo Swift. It's not that his receiving share isn't there. It's not that his overall opportunity share wasn't there. And let's talk about his overall performance last year. Um, because it was great. He didn't finish inside the top 12, but he did get inside the top 24. He had a great opportunity to share on that offense. If I were to rank him in terms of what happened last year, he's definitely um, uh, one of the running backs who stand, stood out last year. He's showing signals that I would usually be... Excited about Like Aaron Jones Like Austin Eckler But he's already valued Where he Above where they were And where they are right now Running back In terms of overall opportunity to share for a running back Yeah he ranks top 10 overall Which is really significant Especially for a player Who missed significant time And only played 13 games and By the way So did Jamal Williams They missed about the same amount of time This wasn't a Jamal Williams picked up the ball when DeAndre Swift wasn't there. I actually went and looked at the game log just to check myself. And in fact, the only significant share there is Swift's role increased dramatically in week nine when Jamal Williams wasn't available. This team wants to run him as part of the committee. It's a similar problem for J.K. Dobbins um, in an opposite direction as it is for DeAndre Swift or Cam Akers with Darrell Henderson. But it's just not talked about as much, I think, because we're not used to people undervaluing the necessity for running backs to run the ball. Um, could he be Alvin Kamara? Is the question. The quest, and the answer is yes, of course, but that's much rarer than already paying top five value, I think, suggests. So, John Drew Swift last year, let's talk about it. Um, he was very good. He's actually due some regression in the touchdown department. He was getting 225 yards per receiving touchdown. And the average even for running backs, especially for running backs, is significantly less than that. So while he was getting all that receiving volume, he was actually getting fairly unlucky in touchdowns. He was actually fairly... On par with regression for his rushing touchdown rate, however, he was getting a touchdown every 123 rushing yards, which I think for a player with this level of receiving volume is about right. Overall, he was getting 152 yards per touchdown, which is slightly above average for the running back position, especially for a player playing this level of opportunity for his overall team. So he is due somewhat and touchdown regression in 2022 so you could project more efficiency in fact we should project more efficiency in the touchdown department heading into 2022 and therefore that's a way he could pull an Austin Eckler or an Aaron Jones even though Aaron Jones was always more involved in the rushing game uh, before his big breakouts and then then DeAndre Swift has been but again we're already paying for a player that has a much slimmer and more marginal path into the top eight or the top five. And in Dynasty, I've ranked him there at the start of the season. It's not that I don't think he belongs there because he should be trading at that value because of his age. But if you're playing Dynasty more like Redraft, making smarter bets more strongly instead of weaker bets at value, whatever it was I said at the start, then I think it's gone too far. And that's why. It's not because his opportunity share overall isn't good enough. It's not because there's not a path to him getting it. And it's not just because there's a cheaper player I like more. It's because I think there is more outcomes where he is in a shared committee and does not have access to the full opportunity share that he would need to pay off at his current ADP. So I think Swift, Swift is one of the areas I want to disagree in ADP right now. And his underdog ADP is around about running back eight is DLF ADP is around about running back five. I think both of them are fair. But where I'm trying to fade anyone that doesn't really show that opportunity share to have a more likely path to that difference making season then I will mostly use that as an excuse to fade to the tight end or the wide receiver or the quarterback position in super flex rather than take running backs because of that added at risk of injury because of the nature of the running back position. Um, And that's where I come out on him. It's still a marginal take, but it's not just a value take. Would I trade him for Leonard Fournette plus two first-round picks? Because Leonard Fournette's heavy now, so you get an extra one, I guess, Um, because of a picture that was tweeted. Then yes, I would. Would I trade him for uh, Derek Henry, who's done that opportunity share, but just through the rushing game, plus a first-round pick? Yes, I would. So in that sense, it is a value take, but I really don't think it is a take the lower value Argument like I argued for DJ Moore back in the day, and like I found myself doing with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy while talking to Jacob Zach. I think there's a reasonable reason to expect that his upside at his current ADP is strongly overvalued because people don't necessarily notice. Because we're so used to pointing out the value in the receiving work that most running backs who pay off at that ADP or pay off that level of ceiling that De- DeAndre Swift is promising or some people are promising from their DeAndre Swift roster ship um, has to and more often requires that rushing volume as well. His rushing volume's too low. And that's not an argument I'm used to making, but it is true. In fact, it is more true that a running back who doesn't have At least, you know, let's not draw an exact threshold on it, but very close to a 50% share of the rushing attempts um, doesn't pay off inside the top eight. Now, that's not how well it predicts. It's not like he has to have 49% opportunity to share last year in order to project into 2022 as a top eight or top five running back. It's more that if you don't believe he can or should or will. Now, if you're looking at DeAndre Swift and think he was held back by injury or whatever, then I would put that in the narrative column and also say it's wrong. But that's the bet you're making. I think you have to believe he doesn't just hold his receiving work, which he should, but he also has to get over what he's currently demonstrated to be kind of how the team wants to use him in the rushing game. Not that he's good enough, but the team is going to want to split that backfield more towards him than it is currently done. And since he's ended the league, he hasn't come close to it. Obviously, last year was his highest role on the team overall. And um, he had a, yes, pausing to look up stats. Leave me alone. Uh, 46% uh, that's Clyde edwards That's a guy you probably should be making that bet. And also Elijah Mitchell. Mainly because there's a more reasonable argument to suspect they role should increase because of how their career has gone so far, whereas DeAndre Swift last year on a per-game basis, there's not much... I don't think... I think we've seen a significant idea of what his role is going to be on this offense. Before last year, in his first season, they pulled Adrian Peterson essentially out of retirement and he got 30% of the offense. In fact, significantly more. Last year, they added Jamal Williams kind of from free agency and he got 30% of the team's offense and, and 11% of it through the expected points per game metric and in the rushing game. Last year, John Swift had 45% of the team's overall rushing attempts, 43% of the position's overall opportunities. Both of those are good, but I think there was a more reasonable expectations heading into 2022. He also got that magnificent 18% target share and 15.6% target share per game, 19% expected points per game, which is just on the borderline of a top 12 running back. I definitely think he's very likely to finish inside the top 12 this year. I think he's less likely to be one of the two breakouts into the top five this year. And that's where he gets marginal, because I only want him if I'm getting a top 12 running back at a discount with a plus in return, or I'm trading him into a position that is, for various different dynasty reasons, of higher value by nature, which is if you can use him to get Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson, um then you do that i would do that so it's a pretty marginal take still but i'm i'm certain now after digging through the numbers that it's not just a value take those are the type of trades i would do with swift because i think he's well valued inside the top 12 but poorly valued inside the top five i think we're giving the old dynasty age value and there's no one else left now At the start of the season, I would have said, so trade for Najee Harris, who's actually got the opportunity to share that I'm looking for in that unicorn of unicorn status um, and is also young. But since then, um, Najee Harris is actually ranked, I believe, ahead of Swift in dynasty ranks. He was being drafted as running back two overall in DLF ADP when I checked for the dynasty grind last night, which means that value has surely been shot all to hell. But I do think I would trade him down into older players who are also likely to be inside the top 12, like Leonard Fournette, like Derek Henry, who also might have a clearer path and a clearer history of having that top 8, top 5 volume that pays off more readily, or there are more examples of that being the level um, of opportunity share that a running back has. Again, 15% of top 8 running backs have 10% less in targets. That is fair. That's one of the reasons we target receiving work, especially when we're looking for upside or at least stability in terms of overall scoring at the running back position. But only 11% of running backs that finish inside the top eight have less than 50% of the overall rushing attempt share. And most of that is Alvin Kamara. The only consistent guy to do it is Alvin Kamara. And he is also cheaper than DeAndre Swift right now. Yeah, I think that about says it. I try to listen to ADP as much as possible, but where I find something that might be overvalued unreasonably based on what happens most often, call it the history process. I don't care. And then I'm more likely to fade away from it at value. It's not just because there are cheaper running backs with the same upside. It's because I think the upside is less likely than his currently ADP suggests. Um... Let me know what you think of that. It's, again, it's a, it's a marginal take, but it's strongly held. Again, I've, I've given the advice consistently this offseason. If he finishes inside the top five, and it does happen. Again, Austin has done it. Dion, Dion Lewis has done it. Avin Kamara's done it four separate times. Aaron Jones, it could be said, had a similar problem and overall opportunity, even though he's more involved in the rushing game and had a 12% target share the year before, and to finish inside the top five. He could very well do it. It's a a very strong bet to make to move DeAndre Swift off your roster, which is why I would only do it with very good value coming back in return. But I do think if you're projecting top five upside, I think I'm out on that because his rushing share hasn't been high enough, which is... Again, a slightly unusual take for make. Um, I think Jamal Williams is undervalued in the same way Darrell Henderson could be a flex slash RB2 with upside. Well, in fact, I think Jamal Williams would have more upside if, unfortunately, and we don't want that to happen, injuries were to occur. Because Jamal Williams has had more of that balanced skill set than Darrell Henderson's ever shown. So I actually think I would draft him ahead of Daryl Williams and most of the other backup running backs that we draft after, you know, when we get into that range of the draft. So I definitely think you should highlight in any way that you can, Jamal Williams is a necessarily add um, anywhere near his ADP. And I'd make that bet stronger too. I'd draft him a round or two ahead of where he's going, so long as, you know, Cortland Sutton hasn't fallen to that pick by some drastically ludicrous reason. Um, anyway, I think that's what I wanted to get out after digging through it. I'm not used to a a Crossroads episode finishing around the 30 minutes mark, so it feels like I should have more to say, but that's the one I wanted to get into, and again, I'm not necessarily telling you what to do if you've got Swift on your roster, I more want to alliterate the process um, of how I try and weed out My own thoughts on the situation. I don't want to make a bet just because it's good value. In fact, I want to make strong bets where I can. You can value a Derek Henry that way uh, and not have to ignore the value um, of an Aaron Jones because he had both kind of significantly um, before one of his big breakout years. Um, But let me know what you think. Am I too galaxy braining this? Um, Let me know. Thanks very much for checking out The Crossroads. See you again next week. Yeah.
1: Chicken Chick or crow, crow. chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. Jake on the table and ape on the players, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Apart. The film is an art, always a fight, back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more. Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. Jake got that eye like mortar. peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore. I am at a cross. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold. So Jake on the table and Ape on the play. So. Peter Numo, it's a the plays are analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold. Play, it, run, phone, so. Jake on the table, and Nate on the play though. Peter Numo, it's a the plays are analytical.